You're listening to the Discovery COVID-19 podcast. Our expert guests help you to understand coronavirus disease 2019 and how you can manage your health, well-being and financial security during this time. Hello, my name is Odette Volmink. I'm a medical doctor and an occupational medicine specialist who's based at the National Institute for Occupational Health. In this interview with Discovery Health, I'll be exploring what it means to keep high-risk members of the household safe during COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Filming, thank you for your time. I think you'd agree one of the groups that's been hardest hit economically by the COVID-19 pandemic is the roughly 1.2 million household employees who work in South Africa. And this includes domestic workers, drivers, gardeners and other staff. And these employees and their employers have in general really anticipated being able to return to work. However, the pandemic has produced a generalized anxiety about our health and the impact of movement between our home and the homes of others. Would you agree that there's a shared responsibility when it comes to the risk of exposure to COVID-19? Household employers must act to minimize risk to the staff and employees must act to minimize risk to the household in which they work. Yes, I agree totally um, that um, the responsibility lies on both sides because, you know, particularly within a household setting where physical distancing is very difficult to maintain. Um, household employees live in communities outside the home and may become infected within their communities uh, and transmit this infection to their workplace. And similarly, employers may become infected outside of their home, maybe in their individual workplaces or in their communities, and then transmit this infection into the household, putting household employees who work there at risk of infection from COVID-19. Can we go over which factors put people who live or work in the home into the high-risk category? Okay. People who um, we see are at higher risk of severe illness from COVID-19. And these people have poorer outcomes from this disease, include the elderly, uh, also people with chronic conditions such as hypertension, diabetes mellitus, chronic cardiac disease, chronic pulmonary disease, which includes asthma, chronic renal diseases, and people also who have malignancies or cancers, uh, people who are living with HIV, and those who have had TB or, or currently have TB. These are just some of the people who are at increased risk. So if a household employee lives with one of those risk factors, would you advise that that individual return to work at the time of this pandemic, or should they wait? Some household employees cannot afford to not return to work from a financial perspective. What's your advice there? I think it's, it's, you know, it's a very difficult time. And um, I think it's, it's good to be able to understand and for the employer to be able to understand whether the employee is at high risk or not. And if they are at high risk, if there are accommodations to the workplace that can be uh, looked at to try to decrease the risk to the employee. Um, you know, some options are um, you know, living in options. I know in my personal experience, 
we had a nanny who would uh, commute daily. Um, and luckily, her social circumstances were such that uh, she was willing and she was very agreeable to um, to live in with us during this time of the pandemic as a family, and she's very far from a family. Um, and that is just one way we we were able to decrease the risk of traveling uh, and transmission during her commute every day, and also, um, you know, during her 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 interactions in the community. And she was, you know, open communication is important during this time to see what what circumstances are the the employees that we that we have in our household, what kind of circumstances do they have at home that could increase their risk. Um, and then also, and you know, it's also important to have uh, unemployment insurance fund uh, for the employees that we have in our in our households, because during this time, if they are at such a high risk, where it's not a good idea to have the employee um, accommodate the employee in the household, then some kind of payment options are available or made available to them. And if the employee cannot live in for any reason and does need to commute, perhaps there's no accommodation for them at the workplace, what measures can we take in the household to lower their risk of exposure to COVID-19? You know, there are many things that we can do. Um, And, you know, some some maybe if if travel is an issue and if people um, can commute on public transport, then maybe it's important to look at traveling times. Um, maybe we need to, to, to really look at the working hours and uh, change them such that employees don't actually have to commute during peak travel times. They can commute during times where it's less busy in public transport and so um, their risk is reduced. That is just one way of, of you know, of looking, um, of being able to mitigate for the risk of travel. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's quite important just to have open communication with the employer and the employee um, to look at where exactly is the biggest risk coming in and um, have, have ideas to try and mitigate those What additional preventive measures can we put in place day to day throughout the workday to assist in this sense? I think that's a good question. I think that it's important to ensure that the workers have access, even workers outside of the house, have access to soap and water or hand sanitizer so that they, they can frequently wash their hands. Um, not only when they start their work shift, but also throughout their working days. I think it's also important where we, we provide food for the household employees that they have access to their own cutlery, their own crockery for eating, and that they wash them, these themselves after eating to, to decrease the risk of spread. Mm. I think it's also um, where available, it may be good to ensure that when a household employee enters the home, if they are commuting, they're able to put on work clothes and work shoes, and that these are 
working uh, items of clothing are kept in the home and they are washed in the home. Um, maybe also as an attempt to accommodate, we spoke about working hours, that this could be uh, an essential um, way to mitigate the risk so that the need for peak travel is eliminated. Um, and I think it's also really important, I know I already mentioned that we need to have open communication between uh, all members of the household, including the employees who work there. Mm. Um, and this this communication is quite essential that, that the household employees need to be trained effectively by their employees. And the training should be around COVID-19. What are the symptoms of COVID-19? You know, uh, what are the commonest symptoms like a sore throat, cough, shortness of breath, a loss of smell or a loss of taste, and, and other symptoms like fever, weakness of the body, body pains, and diarrhea. Um, I think on top of what the common symptoms are, uh, employees and all members of the household need to be trained on how is this disease uh, transmitted from one person to, to the other and how can each of us, including the employee, protect themselves and what is in place to protect themselves at work as well as in their homes and in their community, like social distancing, you know, proper cough etiquette, mm -hmm. um, washing their hands frequently. Um, you know, people need to be aware of this. And, you know, if it's possible within the household, you know, I think it, it, it is to do some sort of basic screening of symptoms when people enter our household, you know, uh, to, to, to look at whether or not they, they have any symptoms. And I think it's also important that employees be taught how to self-monitor for the symptoms. And, and there's an open uh, communication between employer and employee so that should an employee have symptoms, they feel an openness to be able to report these symptoms to their employer. Mm -hmm. And um, employees who are symptomatic should be encouraged to stay at home and ideally, you know, should be able to have this open environment where they're able to say, even before they leave for work, that listen, my throat is a little bit sore and the employee, the employer say, no, I think that maybe you should stay at home today, see how it goes and maybe go to a medical practitioner. Mm. Um, and I also think within the home environment, you know, cleaning is quite an essential part. And it's essential to ensure that surfaces are frequently cleaned. And staff also need to be trained on um, how to clean the surfaces and how to disinfect the surfaces uh, with appropriate cleaning agents. Um, and, you know, if they're using things like jig or, you know, things that are irritants to the Skin, um, you know, maybe PPE needs to be looked at and maybe gloves, you know, need to be given. And if, you know, uh, cleaning gloves are given, they need to know how to take care of these gloves, how to wash them, how to dry them at the end of their shift so that they can use it for the next day. And they also need to be trained on, you know, cleaning frequently touched surfaces in the home. Um, more often than maybe they previously did in the past. Where a, where a family member, a 
person living in the household is someone who falls within the high-risk category for COVID-19, should employers think twice about bringing a household employee into the home? I think, you know, I think people do definitely need to look at their specific circumstance. Where somebody can be isolated in a specific part of the house with their own bathroom and toilet, just that family member who has an increased risk um, and limited engagement actually happen with the staff member, that is also an option to pursue. Whereas um, if maybe uh, the household staff member you know, uh, the change of duties where they stick to a specific part of the house and do the ironing um, and, um, you know, just cleaning of that specific section. You know, these these are just some of the things can, that can be used to accommodate these kinds of situations that would allow for an increased distance between um, the household employee and that high-risk member of the of the household. Mm, that makes sense. So let's look at what should a household employer do if a high-risk household employee develops possible symptoms of COVID-19, whether the staff member is someone who lives with the household or lives out? Okay. Um, you know, in these unfortunate situations, it's quite uh, essential that, that if somebody is symptomatic, uh, particularly in this case where the employee is symptomatic, that the employee gets assessed medically. Um, and should they have, you know, the common symptoms uh, for COVID-19, they need to be referred for testing for, by their medical um, or their treating um, practitioner. And while they are being referred for testing, they need to be isolated away from the household, and ideally in a safe space, um, until the results are available, uh, so that you know, further management of this, the person's symptoms can then be done. So, it's, it, you know, it's essential that the employee has access to, to somebody, either the employer or a member of their family, who uh, would be you know, should the employee's condition deteriorate to say that they are COVID positive, we know that that deterioration of their condition can occur. That they have access to someone if they are living in inside the home and, and they may be isolated but inside, still inside the, the household, that they do have access to someone who can escalate, you know, um, um, the, 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 if their status deteriorates that they could then escalate it and get them the medical help that they need. Is there a contact number that household employers should be saving on their phones and they know that this is the number to contact if my household employee develops symptoms and I want to be able to assist? I think that's definitely. I think the NSCD has um, have, um, the COVID hotline number. Um, which, you know, gives give full, full advice to the public to, with regards to um, when must treatment, you know, when must somebody be, be referred, taken to their, their 
um, medical practitioner when is the testing actually recommended. And it's a it's a a toll free um, COVID nineteen public hotline number, and this number is oh eight hundred oh two nine 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 nine. And this this I think should be in all our phones at the moment. Absolutely. Um, you know, we really need to have this so that, you know, it gives us frequent medical advice um, should we be symptomatic because it also causes quite a bit of anxiety, you know, just worrying about is this something that I have, could it be COVID, could it not be, and this is probably the first point of call, you know, um, that would be able to advise, advise people should they need to go and seek medical attention, testing should be done in this situation. Mm. And and it also puts people's minds at ease when they know that they can get immediate assistance when they need it. Dr. Filming, how can an employer find out more about their employee's health condition, and particularly if they fall into a high-risk category for severe illness for COVID-19, and do this without infringing on their rights to medical confidentiality? Thank you for this question. I think it's so important. Um, you know, I think that we need to, with our employees, we need to foster good relationships and open communication. Uh, because you're absolutely right, you know, medical um, conditions and that somebody suffers with is confidential information. But, uh, you know, one way that the employer can find out about um, whether their employee is actually suffering from um, a condition that puts them at high risk, um, is that they could ask their employee to get a letter from either their clinic, their hospital, or their doctor, requesting um, you know whether or not the employee has an uncontrolled medical condition that puts them at higher risk of severe infection. And the, the treating practitioner could say, yes, it does, or no, it doesn't. Um, this way, you know, saving the, the, you know, a confidentiality between the doctor and the patient. And it's also quite important, you know, when, when talking about what, uh, who is at high risk, it's, you know, we mentioned a little bit earlier that people with, you know, the elderly and people who have chronic medical conditions like hypertension, diabetes mellitus, we mentioned others, are at risk. But it's also important to note that people who have these conditions and who their, their conditions are um, uh, really not well managed and uncontrolled uh, puts them at even higher risk. So just say a diabetic, you can have two diabetics, one diabetic who is, is taking um, an auto hypoglycemic agent and that they're taking one medication, they're taking it regularly and, you know, every time they go to their doctor for their checkup or the clinic for their checkup, they're very well controlled, would be at a less risk then somebody who maybe is on five different tablets and still is treating them, is struggling to get them um, controlled on that medication, struggling to get their blood sugar levels down. And, and so, you know, how, how a condition affects us 
or, you know, it affects individuals differently. So people who have uncontrolled chronic medical conditions that we spoke to are at higher risk. So I think it's actually also important for employees, or all of us at this time, you know, uh, particularly if we have medical conditions that, that put us at higher risk, to go to our treating um, place, you know, wherever we're getting our treating, our treatment from, be that the hospital, be that the, the clinics, be that the, the GP, and, you know, just have, ensure that our, you know, we are, the treatment that we have is optimized so that um, we decrease our risk of severe, um, severe poor outcomes due to, you know, should we contract uh, COVID-19. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think that's, that's mainly what I wanted to say. Mm. So I think it's, it's a good idea just for everybody to, to have their treatment optimized, also to make sure that they have enough medication for this period of the pandemic and, and, you know, to take care of themselves, you know, be compliant on their medication and just, you know, just look after their general health. Discovery Health, in partnership with Vodacom, has, since the start of the pandemic, offered all South Africans access to an interesting platform. It's free COVID-19 online doctor consultations where people can be screened and referred on to the right care and the screening process is done via the Discovery or Vodacom website, so it's remote. Would you advise that em household employers explore this platform and perhaps help their household employees, if they are there, located in the same place, to access this sort of platform together to perhaps go through the screening process? Because it is free for all South Africans. I think that it's actually very important, you know, in terms of always, um, and particularly at this time of the pandemic, for all people in South Africa, the employees, the employers, to have access to healthcare and um, medical services that would allow patients to be screened and effectively triaged. Um, and, you know, where there are symptoms, if, if people are symptomatic for COVID infection, um, that these individuals be referred promptly for testing for COVID. And it would be ideal for employers to assist their household employees to ensure that they have access to these services should they, should they be required by the employee. So I think these kind of discussions are, are necessary at this time. Mm -hmm. We need to know what um, employees in our household, what access to healthcare they do have. Um, so that if should there be any gaps, you know, um, we can take it upon ourselves to fill up these gaps. You're referring to household employers taking time to understand where their household employees access healthcare. The majority of household employees would be accessing their healthcare through state healthcare facilities, which are overburdened at the best of times, and more so during the COVID-19 pandemic. For those household employers who would want to give their employees access to private primary healthcare, Discovery offers a product called Discovery Primary Care for household employees. From 249 Rand a month, the product gives household employees and their dependents access to private primary healthcare. 
which offers an array of day-to-day medical benefits and also to the WHO Global Outbreak Benefit, which provides funding for tests and out-of-hospital treatment for confirmed cases of COVID-19. Dr. Fulman, do you think that household employers should consider ways to assist their employees to access a variety of healthcare options where possible, and especially during the COVID-19 pandemic? That means really getting involved in understanding where the employee accesses healthcare and how they access it. Yes, I think, uh, you know, I think you made very good points, particularly about, um, you know, how access to healthcare can be a challenge in our setting, particularly at this point in time. Um, so, where, you know, where can be secured for employees? I think, I think that's the, you know, it's great to do so. Um, but this, you know, this may allow, you know, these services may allow employees to access uh, assessment and testing when it's needed and quite promptly. And all these medical services are already available within the public health system. There are uh, some challenges having, you know, worked in this system um, that, you know, there are some prolonged waiting times with regards to guest, getting test results. And this could sometimes hinder the effective management of the employee's health and also delay the isolation period um, mm. away from the workplace that may be needed when a positive test um, is noted. Mm. But it's also an ideal time for the employer to explore, you know, like you said, um, what services the employee has access to. And with public and private healthcare options may be able to work together. But also, you know, having said this, it's important to ensure that there's a sustainability to these services offered to employees. And, you know, sustainability of services is quite important for continuity of care, particularly with regards to um, patients who are on chronic medications for chronic conditions. Mm. You refer to employees who are on chronic medication who may frequently need sick leave. The issue of sick leave is one that household employees must consider at this time. What should household employers be aware of when it comes to the legislation around sick leave, family responsibility leave, especially during a pandemic? Yes, I think this is a very valuable question and people are struggling quite a bit with this. With this. And I think that during this time, it's important, you know, not only um, as employers who employ people in the household, but also companies to have um, flexible leave policies in place with regards to sick leave and family responsibility leave for the employees. Because, you know, during this time, sick leave needs may be heightened and uh, also for longer periods than was previously needed by employees. Because when somebody uh, is test positive for COVID-19, they um, need at least 10 days of isolation mm-hmm. away from the workplace. Um, and, you know, this, this eats into quite a bit of the employee sick leave and even quarantine times are quite, um, you know, quite long. So there needs to be a little bit of flexibility looking at, you know, what is needed from the public health side, uh, the length of time off that is needed 
um, and these need to be made available to the employee. And where somebody is, is positive, there's a directive from the um, Department of Employment and Labor that this should be sick leave. There's also, you know, at this time, you know, as we go into the storm of the pandemic, family members to employees may get sick and need someone to look after them. You know, we also have there's a lot of uncertainty with regards to schooling um, and, you know, where the schools are going to open, stay closed, what exactly is going to happen. And these are additional burdens that are, are put on our employees. And so leave should be a little bit flexible to try to accommodate for the needs that people have during this time. In closing, I would say that from listening to you today, it sounds like it's very plausible to bring a high-risk household employee back into the home to do their work, to earn their salary, and with the right preventive measures in place to keep them safe and healthy. Would you agree? I think you're absolutely right. I think it, I think it is. I think that but in order for us to make safe environment in our homes for our employees who are at risk, we need to we need to be able to speak to them openly. We need to we need to try to identify with them where are the areas of risk that you know that that could be um, that could bring COVID nineteen into into our household and work with them in trying to have a risk mitigation strategy in this household. Um, so that everybody is on board and we have a collaborative sort of working arrangement with our employees. Um, so we share responsibility, like you mentioned earlier, and we have that buy-in from both sides. Um, we, I, think, I think that's essential. And COVID-19 um, gives us an ideal opportunity to get these kind of relationships going. Um, in our household with our household employees. Thank you so much, Dr. Fulmink. That's excellent advice. Really excellent guidance for household employers. We really appreciate your time today. Only a pleasure. This podcast was brought to you by Discovery. Stay informed, stay healthy.